it's such a cool theatrical imagination behind this play. I mean, Martina Mayoke is is one of those playwrights. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. I'm Jacob, that's Jackson. We're excited to be back with you for another episode of No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. Welcome, Jackson. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to be uh, sharing the airwaves with all of you again. Excited to jump into the conversation today about Sanctuary City. Interestingly, Sanctuary City, the play we're talking about today by Martina Mayock, I recently like interacted with this play, not sadly in person, but uh, my in-laws went and saw this play. So we had a whole conversation about it recently and I was like, hey, we're doing it on the show next week. So just hang tight. I'll have more thoughts then. So. <laughs> oh, that's, I wish I had known that already. I would have loved to have talked with them about it. I think this play is so like cool it's just so inventive in yeah. its theatrical mind and the way that it it moves through time and the way that the story totally changes pace and and like the world of the story changes it's part way through i mean it's just it's such a cool theatrical imagination behind this play. I mean, Martina Mayoke is is one of those playwrights, the, the big-time folks out there. And so no surprise that this one is awesome. Her play, Cost of Living, of course, won the Pulitzer Prize. So she's in rarefied air, and every play I read of hers reminds me why. Yeah, yeah. And boy, just looking at, not to steal too much from your context, just looking at the reviews of of the productions of this, it's just been all over the place. So exciting to finally get to turn our attention to it on the podcast. Yeah, it should be a really fun conversation. And um, it, it'll be one of those conversations where I don't know how exactly to describe the, in, in this play is, is so strange in some yeah. ways, in the best ways, that I it'll be, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to talk about it because it, it's unlike many other plays in how it's structured and like what is happening and, and then has just so much classic, solid, good playwriting, negotiations, dramatic action. I mean, I don't know. There's just, there's a combination of like undescribable wow-ness to it. Yeah. And just like, boom, this is solid drama writing at its best. Yeah, there was just like, just in the reading of it and in, in picturing like how to produce this show or what it would be like to uh, be a part of or even watch this show, there's like this sense of awe of <laughs> as you're reading it of like, boy, this is, this is, like, how would they pull this off? Um, and so, yeah. so yeah, ex- excited for the conversation around, excited to jump into that. But before we do, we want to take just a second and say thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for being patrons of the show. Thank you all so much. It's been quite a ride. We're on season, I think, 12 right now. It's been a long time of doing shows, uh, talking about theater's best scripts, and the patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast make that happen. If you've been 
been either a longtime listener of the show and are looking for a way to get involved in in, an, in another kind of way with the NoScript community, or if you're kind of just finding this show for the first time and jumping in, we have a lot of great stuff happening over on Patreon. You get access to patron-only posts. You get access to the scripts that we're reading. There's a number of different tiers of patronship over there where you can get different sorts of rewards and things like that. You can head over there and check that out. But just one more time, thanks to all the patrons uh, over at patreon.com slash podcast. And if you want to find a way to join the NoScript community, head on over there and we will see you on Patreon. Absolutely. To those of you who support the show, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to the script. Here we go. Uh... Okay, so Martina Mayoke, we have covered on the podcast before. If you are interested in hearing more about the context of her playwriting and theater making, check out our other episode on cost of living, where we do a kind of a, the full rundown that we usually do when we approach a playwright for the first time. But that's not today, so I'm skipping through that to talk about Sanctuary City itself, which was developed in part in 2018 at the Sundance Institute Theater Lab, as well as several other development opportunities. Some of the folks that I know and work with here in Montana were involved in this play's development along its way, which is part of the reason why uh, I I know and love this play so well. It was produced for the first time. Its world premiere was in 2021, New York Theater Workshop. It actually performed out of the Lucille Lortel Theater. But more importantly, I think, to understanding its context is that this was a delayed opening to such degree that they actually called it a remount. It was intended to open in spring 2020. And, And, of course, we all know what happened in spring 2020. And so its life, it's actually sort of coming into the world as a play was delayed by uh, more than 12 months. And in fact, its world premiere has two directors, the original director and what they call the remount director because of how far into the future that production then was finally able to open. After that 2021 run at the New York Theater Workshop, the play goes on to have a really robust regional theater life. 2022 in places like Berkeley Rep, Arena Stage, Pasadena Playhouse. In 2023, the play was at Theater Squared, a company I know and love in Arkansas from when I was there. It was also in places like Fourth Wall Theater Company in Texas, Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, the Alliance for the Arts, which is some kind of arts organization in Fort Myers, Florida produced a a version of this show. Uh, This year, 2024, somebody is doing it as their senior thesis at Yale, which I think is an awesome senior thesis. Yeah. A plus choice. And then the really fun part and why I've been blazing through to get here, there are two great productions of this show coming up that you can see if you happen to be in Seattle or Portland. Seattle Rep and Third Rail Rep, Seattle Rep of course in Seattle, Third Rail Rep in Portland are doing productions of this show in the in the weeks after this episode is coming out. This episode comes out in the sort of middle of February February, March. If you're in Seattle or Portland or the surrounding areas, go see Sanctuary City. It is an unbelievable piece of theater. And I mean that in the the most uh, uh, truly like honorific way. It is truly unbelievable. Um, The play has catapulted to be probably one of my favorite plays for what it does Hmm. in terms of its its sense of theater in the space uh, uh, very quickly. And uh, because of its, you know, just amazing 
life and and the, the, this what it what it is being so amazing it's the recipient of an edgerton foundation new play award a lawrence hatcher foundation theater development grant um and it, it's overall development was supported all along the way by the national endowment for the arts i suspect that is in part due to martina's reputation and then also in part due to the content of this play which we have we've been lavishing praise on the form of this play which i think is is genius uh, but the content of this play is also so specific so valuable such a great voice for a community of folks that I think a lot of American citizens, especially like, uh, and I use citizens intentionally to be clear, uh, like theater going American citizens don't think very much about the folks for whom this play is part of their story. Yeah, yeah, the 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 story uh, that it's telling is is incredibly impactful and gives a voice to a whole bunch of folks. Um, so very important for those reasons. I'm going to jump into the synopsis around this play real quick, just to give us some starting ground. I think this synopsis more so than others that I have done. Certainly, I'm going to rely on our later conversation to flesh out some of the the finesse of this. I'm going to give you just a uber helicopter view of this these these uh this this kind of stream of scenes um and then we'll kind of get that's wise because it's the play has so many i I know that we're 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 jumping around a little bit but i think it's interesting to say before you try to do this synopsis because of the way this play is structured it has so many scenes like I, I, I mean, I teach playwriting. I've taken playwriting classes. I am a playwright to some degree. Like plays have a kind of average number of scenes because there's only so long, and every time you see, you change locations, you have to you know do a lot of sort of theatrical work or, or set work or whatever. There's just less scenes in plays. It's not as easy as flipping a camera shot. So films, yeah. for example, tend to have even in the same amount of time a lot more individual scenes than plays have. And this play, I, it wouldn't, I don't think it, it doesn't feel like a film. That's not really quite what I mean. But it feels like a film in its like number of scenes yeah. for the first half. You're just constantly boom, 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 boom. And then you're not. Yeah, slows way down. Uh, it so almost approaches yeah. montage level in some of the scenes of the yeah. of the first well, part, just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the like the the flip in the middle from boom, 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 boom to like what the, the second half of the play being one extended scene, which I believe is intended to take place in the time it actually takes place in. Like the second half of the play is like a unity scene, right? It has the unities yeah. of time and place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All subsequent versus the first sections are all kind of all over the place time wise. So, so anyway, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of synopsis just to start off with the, um, I'm going to think about these uh, kind of timelines in these this play in three blocks. There is kind of the early friendship friendship of uh, B&G, who I'll explain in a minute. Um, there's the middle friendship of B&G, and then there's the late slash end, possibly, of the friendship of B&G. Spoilers. So um, the, 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 the kind of early and mid parts of the friendship for these two are kind of thrown together in the first half of the play. You jump back and forth between the early and mid friendship of of these two throughout the whole first half of the play. Now B and G are boy and girl, but they're just like uh, just the just the letters B and G. Um, so the uh, 
Uh, the ages of them are 17 to 21. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, the, the description that is given to them is, is great. So I'm going to read it just verbatim from the script real quick. G and B, born in other countries and brought to America young. Um, uh, and then a third character, Henry, who I'll introduce later. Henry is first generation, born in America of immigrant parents. All have American mouths, all raised working class. Um, B and G are both un underdocumented immigrants to America. And so the early part of the play is them finding each other. Um, the, the early part of their relationship, G is uh, kind of in, in a household that is to some degree abusive. Um, not necessarily her mother, but certainly the people that her, the, the men that her mother sees um, and who live, live with them. So she kind of runs away from home often and finds B um, uh, by climbing up to his window. And they kind of have this safety relationship, this sanctuary relationship that they find with each other um, throughout the early parts of their friendship. Um, B uh, provides this sort of safe haven for her. They're able to share a lot uh, with each other. They end up to the point that she's like sleeping in the same bed with him pretty distinctly and carefully. The script notes this is not necessarily sexual between them. However, it's not necessarily unromantic between them either. There's some blurred lines in there. Um, but that's up to interpretation and and the audience and the, the, the play's uh, decision and, to and make. And I'm not... If you're assuming like the 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 classic viewer, the ideal audience member, the whatever, somebody that is experiencing the play for the first time, sitting down and watching it, like that person. If you're assuming them, I think you're maybe. I I think some people maybe disagree with me about this, especially folks that that I've other people that I've been able to talk to. So I'm interested in your thoughts. I I I think you maybe don't know. Like you yeah. don't really know it. I mean, these are teenagers and they're sleeping in the same bed night after night, but it, it's there, there's a just there. It, it's unclear exactly the nature of their like, you know, will they won't they relationship to me. Um, I mean, some things about their relationship are very clear. They're, they care deeply about each other. They protect each other from all the various things that are going. So it's not like it's it's not a fuzzy relationship, but I think it is intentionally. Um, I think you intentionally wonder yeah. about parts of it because of what happens later in the play. Right. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you for sure. You kind of wonder if stuff is taking place off stage or something like that. If there's more to their relationship or not. They certainly seem close. They certainly like live together, spend life together, and protect each other as 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 a duo. Certainly, perhaps as a couple occasionally. So so there is this kind of like safety together in them that they have chosen each other, and they're especially that uh, G kind of runs away to B's room um, to to be safe and to to kind of uh, get away from what's going on at home. The situation for G is the. Uh, main through line of this early part of their friendship. G um, uh, is kind of, they're both going through school, etc. but eventually um, uh, G discovers that her mom has kind of done the work to take the tests and become naturalized as a citizen. Um, and she's been kind of biding her time with this abusive person, uh, this abusive man to uh, uh, to kind of get that done. And now suddenly, um, uh, now that she is uh, considered a citizen, they're moving out. They're going to run away while the, the guy is away. And so uh, B kind of comes with them and helps them out. Um, 
uh, in the move, and they, they get out of there. But notably, um, uh, with with G's mom becoming a citizen, so does G. Um, that's kind of the, the the big the big movement of their early friendship is is both of them kind of uh, having the struggle of their parents having arrived here about uh, in in America and and having this struggle of underdocumentation um, that they're sharing together. But G suddenly is kind of thrust into this zone of wait, there's a difference now. I am now considered a citizen. I'm going to jump to the middle of their friendship. Um, there's lots more in there that happens, but we're jumping to the middle of the friendship. Um, the middle of the friendship is kind of this late stage of high school for them as G is starting to look at colleges. B is still underdocumented and trying to, to figure out a way for him to go to college and pursue the dreams that he has. Um, uh, but, but he's continually being stymied by all these blocks in the road and things like that. Um, as G kind of continues to talk about what she's going to be doing next year, they come up with all sorts of plans because uh, it becomes clearer and clearer that B's mom is going to be moving back to their country of origin. And he has to make a decision very quickly whether or not he's going to stay here and try to uh, get citizenship somehow by kind of remaining in the country or go with his mom back to their country of origin. Uh, uh, in, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all these changes in life, a, a plan is hatched. Um, G uh, says, well, I'm a citizen now. We could get married um, and then you would be a citizen. Um, and so there's this there's this idea. And, between and I just them... want to be clear that that that's not actually ever said like yeah. in terms of the, the, the dialogue written in the play. That is an assumed conversation. That we get from the context of their conversations, but I don't. At no point is anybody like, "Here's the plan." Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But they start like kind of uh, having these uh, drills between each other, trying to get the information correct so that they could pass the test. There's a lot of tests involved. Anyone who's gone through that knows, or been close to folks who have gone through that know. There's, there's lots of catches and checks in the system to be sure that, um, or to try to ascertain whether these people are actually in love or not. Um, and so they start going through those tests and things. And uh, that there's 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 somewhat well. Some some of the characters believe there is a commitment made at that point. I think I think I think there is some sort of commitment made to try to find a way to get B to stay um, uh, as a result of uh, G's uh, citizenship. And then things slow down and time passes. Um, uh, the, the last section of the play, G has been away at school for a while, um, for years. Um, and uh, she is finally returned back um, from school. We find out that um, there's been some effort made by B to contact her over the last couple whiles, <laughs> months for sure, perhaps longer. Um, and he's uh, eventually comes out that he's actually gone up to where she's going to school and tried to find her and, and eventually just just came back, um, uh, but uh, this that we we slowly discern that this plan has slowed down considerably. That G has kind of put the brakes on for some reason or another. Um, it comes out later on that there was some hesitation on her part, but also school was very busy. Um, all all of the reasons uh, uh, kind of come to bear. But also there's been some more complication in terms of their relationship with B, who is now in a relationship with his boyfriend Henry, um, and Henry. Uh, emerges onto the scene. He is, uh, again, Henry is first generation. He's born in America. He has immigrant parents, but he's a citizen um, and he's studying law. And so he is kind of all about trying to figure out a way to get uh, B to stay here in America so that they can be together. Um, these, there's lots of plans tried. Um, there's lots of different th theories hatched, whether 
them getting married, whether B and uh, Henry getting married is enough to keep B here, whether G and B getting married, but Henry and B actually being together the whole time is going to work all around this goes over and over as this kind of like triangle forms between the three of them. And and Henry and B can't get married because of when this play is set, which is in the yeah. years after 9-11. But before what now seems like kind of a given, which was the marriage equality decision, which, of course, changed so much uh, for folks who are, you know, want to be in a marriage of, with people of the same gender. With it, it that was not it, it's almost sort of strange now to remember 20 years ago, at least for me, and I'm in a very privileged position in terms of that very clearly. But it reading this play, it is a, it, there's a little bit of like trying to go back and be like, oh, there there was for forever, for a long time. That was just simply not possible. Right. And that is a sort of shocking remembrance, at least to me. And that, again, that is probably comes from my position of like That was never a concern for me. But I know, but for a lot of folks, it really was. And, and I, I love that this play is set in that period, too. Yeah, yeah. As, like, slowly some of the states are allowing more and more of it, you you hear um, Henry and B kind of saying, like, oh, there's there's a chance that maybe if this continues that there could be a zone or a time in which this could work for us. Um, but eventually it all kind of, to, to sum it up very quickly again, eventually it all kind of spins out and falls apart for B um, as a result of um, kind of kind of him trying to have the best of both of the worlds. Um, both G and Henry feel like there's no way that B could commit to them, as it's clear that G kind of has some, continues to have some feelings for B, even though it's emerged that B doesn't love her necessarily in that way. It's complicated, but maybe not. Um, um, and uh, so so she kind of takes a step back for a second. And then when he chooses Henry, she decides she she steps back. But then he says that the only way for him to stay is with G. And Henry's like, well, you're always going to wonder whether or not you should be with G instead of me. So I guess I'm out. And so long story short, by the end of it, B is left alone. Um, both both G and Henry leave. Um, and he's kind of left in the aftermath of, of this triangle, trying to figure out how he's going to either stay or figure out some way forward for him to try to reach the dreams that he's trying to reach. There you go. That's the helicopter yeah, it's, view. <laughs> it's tragic. It's a very sad ending. Yeah, a good job. That's a boy. There's a lot there, and it's truly kind of different. One thing that I don't envy you in doing the synopsis is trying to keep track of it all because it's kind of intentionally there. You know, the time moves so quickly, and it, it, you're you're trying to track over. I think what is years? The yeah, five relationship years, yeah. of these teenagers. And again, I, I I am torn. I think in in trying to unpack how G feels and what she hopes yeah. for her relationship with B. I, my my reading of the play is that B, well, first of all, that is very clear, is gay. And then the question becomes like, how, how long did G know that? And, you know, if they were so close, she probably knew. But then some of her desire that she expresses for their marriage, uh, which is a, it, it seems genuine and earnest to me. Um, and, and so I, I don't know that that is a part of the play that I think is delightfully complex 
and that uh, I think maybe production to production, you would see some variation in the sort of understanding of especially G and her what she actually wants out of this. And it may be as simple as this is a person who she cares deeply about and wants to help. And it may be as complex as that's all true. And I know that he doesn't have a, some level of desire for me. And I know that maybe over time that would change. And, and I know that I like being, I mean, there, there may be many, many, many layers to it. And it, it's a part of the play that is it's a delightful mystery to me at least yeah yeah i agree and 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 such a fun opportunity for an actor and a cast to try to come up with which way it falls because there's so much there's so many options you, ju you just laid out a bunch of them the you know the the I, I i do love this person who is just 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 as in in a, even if it's platonic i love this person and i want the best for them i have the power to give them what they want if we can pull this off um so why wouldn't i so there's there's that level there's also yeah the the, the commitment to 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 uh, whether or not she loves him or not if there's any sort of connection there well, she loves him i mean yeah and romantically, though, it's yeah. it's a question, right? Yeah, like what kind of love? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then there's also this this like also the, the the levels to which you know she feels like she maybe owes him something as a result of him kind of protecting her for all those years. The the reciprocity there. So there's so much interesting uh, uh, bonds between the two of them, and which one you lean on more than the other would be so interesting to see. Uh, uh, emerge for G as she, especially in those later scenes as she's navigating um, uh, being in the room with, with uh, B again after a long time away. It's such a special acting challenge for the folks that play G and B for many reasons, the, the, the technical complexity, the memorization, yeah, <laughs> the incredible blocking shifts. And we'll talk about all that in a second, but it just these characters who have known each other, for so long, who have a relationship that extends back to, I think, first grade or something very close to that. I'd have to check the specific grade they mentioned, but a long, they met in elementary school. Yeah. And and so the 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 deeper, the longer the relationship, I think the harder that relationship is to make believable because unless you're happened to act across from a person who you've known since elementary school, yeah. so you have to you have to be able to spark a comfortability, a a a, a familiarity. Uh, an ease and uh, and also specific. I mean, if you think about the longest relationships in your life, sometimes those people you have conversations with them that are ten levels deep, where right. you're referencing inside jokes from years ago with your eyes while you're talking about something from other years. I mean, the, the longer you're together, the more layered conversations get. And, and the easiest thing in the world is to act strangers opposite a stranger. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> there's at yep. least some genuineness there. But this, this kind of relationship is uh, a real um, gift of a challenge for an actor. 
Yeah, a deep, deeply vernacular relationship in which they know each other so well as a result of what they've gone through. It's then another, it's such a, such a fun move to then throw Henry into that relationship as well. Yeah. Because Henry and B share something that G and B don't, but also there's so much shared between B and G that, that there, there is this closeness that Henry has to watch, which is painful. But then whenever B and, yeah. and Henry are, you know, sharing what they have together, there's something for G to watch. Watch, which is painful and then there's yeah. B stuck between the, all of them trying to switch between modes it's just like this perfect triangle um kind of chaos catalyst um that that see, seeing that closeness all together no i think that's a really interesting point like all parts of this this trio of people each each duo within the trio has something that the other does not. Yeah. Um, B and Henry have a sexual relationship that I think it, it plays very clear that G and B don't have once you learn that. I know we discussed earlier whether that's confusing, but it becomes clear that that was not the case later in the play. The question is just whether you think that's the case when that moment comes when during the first part of the play. But once you get into this latter meat of the play, it becomes, I think, very clear that that is not part of their relationship. And so B and Henry have that. G and B, as you described, have this incredible history, something that you know it would be hard for a, a new or new-ish romantic partner partner to see and then g and henry have their citizenship yeah have a a knowledge that they are secure in this country in a way that b does not have and that uh ultimately he is very much left out of at the end of the play yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see like when those shifts happen, um, like which which duo emerges on top because there's a lot of negotiation around which duo has power in a given time, and and the different power dy dynamics that are at play make it for such an interesting, um, sometimes paradoxical power, other times really clear um, modes of power. So it's it's really interesting to kind of feel the ebb and flow, especially of the argument that emerges towards the end of the play as to which which option B is going to try to get citizenship. Um, it kind of becomes almost uh, G pitching the idea to continue in the plan that they had for a while. And Henry kind of is trying to trying to show you guys aren't ready for this. <laughs> you don't have it together. Henry's trying to like drill them on what's going on. And and so yeah, it's just interesting to see the 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 way that they use their different dyads to try to affect the the outcome of 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 their relationships. And and the play is structured so that I think the audience has that feeling of Henry being an outsider in in a really brilliant way because we spent up until that point so much time, I mean, actual literal time, like sitting in the chair watching the play with B and G. But then also, like the amount of time that play up to that point is supposed to represent, which is these years of their hopes and dreams and their the evolution and their family and their power and, and their hopes for the futures. You've been with them across years of their life and you know this couple. And I, I just say couple very loosely. Again, I don't I don't know that it's a romantic couple, but they're a they're a pair, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a team. They're deep friends who care deeply about each other. You know them. And then this guy just walks in. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it, 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 he feels like I, I have a, a access to an early draft of the play because of some of the development uh, that has been done around the play in this area. And there was a time where Martina Mayo called for that character to be a secret from the audience, to not appear in the program or the advertising. That's and, interesting. Uh, that does yeah, not yeah. appear in the published edition that we've checked out. She's moved on from that idea, I guess. But I mean, it when I when I that was the original version of the script that I read, and it made a ton of sense. I mean, I, it was there. I had thoughts, of course, as a theater maker about like how practical that is. But it, in terms of what she was trying to do theatrically and in the story, that was very much right in line. Like the, it is surprising yeah. when he walks in because this feel this has every feeling of being a two hander, a deep relationship based character negotiation two-hander like the best ones are and then it's not yeah and it's like almost disquieting (laughs) as soon as a third person shows up on stage and i think the thing that like so other than just like the structural time we've spent with with the characters etc the 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 way that that first half goes is so we we have we we kind of mentioned that we will talk about it and this feels like a good time to talk about it it's so um interwoven the two timelines are smashed together with frequent scene changes over and over and a that's that's jarring initially to try to track when time is happening and all that stuff just in the reading of it i imagine it's even harder it'll just just such a challenge i'm so many things i'm excited to talk about this anyway these uh the two characters are moving between scenes and we just it feels like we've at least in the reading of it we just sort of like adapt to knowing what's happening with these two characters and loving them loving that they're they're each other's sanctuary and then something changes the pace slows down a new character shows up and it's this deeply um uh disorienting experience for what, what we've done in the first half well, everything changes between the first part and the second part. Now, you're noticing that uh, maybe listeners that we're we're trying to dance around Act One and Act Two because that is not <laughs> yeah. how the play is written. There's first no half, acts. There's no scene half. numbers. I, yep. I, I I'm not totally sure. I think maybe just for the fluidity of the story, maybe just for the I, I don't know. There there it's not written as if it's Act One and Act Two, but it, it is sort of structured that way but it everything changes between that first part and the second part so the first part of the play which is roughly half is these series of very short scenes sometimes to the point where there are five or six to a page and they're divided by these sort of star arrangement in the script. I won't spend too much time on there other than to say that it's not like it goes to a new page and then says next scene, new page, next scene. It's just like the, the, the dialogue, the stage directions, and then there are these stars that break up and say, now you've shifted to a different point in time. And that that all these different scenes, again, five or six to a page sometimes, span this several years of this first part that we see of their friendship relationship but again we know that it's gone back in time uh what are they 17 how old are you in elementary school six or seven yeah so like maybe 10 years (laughs) at least yeah it's like a decade long relationship before that and then we so so all these very short scenes and they're the the plot that you've described jackson and it it the, the the place starts by setting it up 
with both of their problems so well. The first two very short scenes set up that G lives in this home where there are abusive men around all the time, especially one particular abusive man who her mother can't seem to leave. And then the very next scene is B saying, my mother is going back to our home country and I have to decide to stay here by myself or to go back with her, and what am I going to do? So they set up those two problems right away, and then over the course of the rest of this first half, many things happen. But So, so that's like lots of short scenes, a lot of time, uh, flashes, tons of repetition. Like There's this really great scene where they're both packing, but it's totally different contexts for the packing. I mean, really brilliant stuff. And the, the design of it is that it's totally spare. There's no, it's an empty stage. There's no props. There's literally, she specifically, you could only use two props in the first part of the play, the engagement ring and a lighter for this really brilliant repetition series of of scenes about a birthday cake and a celebration cake. Yeah, yeah, no, and so so all of those scenes... Man, they just like flow rapid fire between the <laughs> between all of them. So must fast, be, yeah. So fast, and 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 not only so. So it'd be another thing too if there was some like I I re- I remember the first time I read this, I was like looking at the stars between the scene to see if there was some replicating pattern of like trying to give me a hint of when the scene was taking place. Like if it was like you know you know scene one, and then like you know six scenes later you got scene one again, so you knew you were in the same scene or something like that. It's not that. It is this just like this blitz, this rapid fire of of all these scenes thrown together, and and just just to marvel for a second. This is one of those sort of awe moments of mine. I was like, just just as an actor trying to approach those and know when you are as you are saying these scenes, some of them which are repetitious and very intentionally so. Um, uh, it, what a challenge! What a fun challenge! And then also what an experience for both the actor and the audience to try to to learn these characters as you're learning this time hoppiness between two distinct moments, but multiple scenes within those uh, two distinct moments. And there, there's evolution in the characters' lives. There's conflict. There's in uh, in a kind of beautiful end cap scene where B and G are at the bus. She's about to go off to college, something she has access to because she got citizenship and therefore can get like scholarship money and such. And and she doesn't want to go. And he finally like gets the ring because they've been talking about this marriage for him to get his citizenship. Beautiful. And then part two, act two, whatever, the second part of the show. And it's we moved ahead several years in time. I think you, that's in stage direction, so you have to figure out exactly, you know, I think that's communicated clearly through the character's dialogue. But what's so crazy is not only does it then slow down to, like, real time, right? The rest of the play is one scene. It's probably a half an hour or so, and it's that amount of time in real life. But also the way the stage looks has changed. I'm not sure that you have to do this, but it... It, the, the description is that now Martina Mayo gives you a whole apartment with clutter, with set. With Now, she does say this is what we may or may not see. So, I, again, I don't know you have to do this, but I think the implication of the script is that you go from an empty stage to like kind of a like a box set, like an apartment set with set dressing with pictures on the wall and props and there's a wine bottle and there's people's coats. The stage is now cluttered and now it's like a more, uh, traditional is maybe not the word I want, but it's a more like 
familiar play uh, uh, environment. And so if you're going to do that, and I think that's the implication of the way the script is written, I mean, that is a massive shift in storytelling all at once. Yeah, suddenly suddenly you're kind of thrust into a different type of story and you're trying to engage it. It almost makes it like in this in sort of the second approach to it, the second read of it or maybe a second watch of it. It's it's fun to think about that whole first half as as what is banging around in the characters' heads as they engage the second half. This like very yeah, visceral memory, imagination, all the subtext of B&G is those first scenes. All of that is is just like is playing on repeat in their minds as they engage this very different feeling scene. And in that way that that sort of like flowing between memories back and forth that's the that's the way memory happens in a conversation especially one of contention you're being swayed by different moments of your memory of a person over and over as as different ones flood into your mind and so you're kind of free associating between multiple times multiple places multiple interactions and so it's just interesting to think about that too as an as as a way that as they're enter as they enter a scene that i agree at least has the opportunity to look different from a theatrical technical perspective. We're no longer moving between what I assume are basically light changes to help us discern a slight variation in scene or something like that on a bare stage to now we're distinctly different. There's an apartment. There's at least the feel of an apartment needs to be evoked staying in one place, one time and new people. All of that is, is just so starkly different from the first part. Yeah. And because it's so, uniquely structured like that it, it, it there's almost i there's almost the feeling of like the play starts now yeah right like uh-huh. it, what like i get if you're trying to put this in in the old like um uh, Freytag uh, uh, plot analysis, right? Like uh, 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 establishing the world, inciting incident, rising action, climax, falling action, denouement. Uh, this play obviously is not that. Let's, let me be clear. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> if you were trying to, would the inciting incident be G showing back up after being away for years to try to convince him to do this again? Would it be the thing that happened a month ago where he called and my understanding was clear with her? There's a lot there that he had been kicked out of the apartment by this guy, but that, of course, means that he's in a relationship with a guy, which seems like it's new information to be. Like, was that the inciting incident? Is I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's hard to... Because the two parts of the play are so different in storytelling method, it you have the feeling of two stories, and tr- and it's not like it's unclear how they're supposed to fit together. It, it is. It's very clear. But it is a, a little like, what is the story? And where does it start? Like, is the inciting incident in part one when they decide to try to do this marriage thing? Is it when she goes to college? Is it, I, I don't know. Like what, what's the, you know, the, the spine? Yeah. Yeah. What is the, what is the story we're engaging? And I think where you choose to set that inciting moment, there's a lot of valid choices. If you set that inciting moment with G climbs up the, 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 the drain pipe and climbs into, 
into B's bedroom. It's a story about a friendship. It's a story about uh, these two's friendship, and it's 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 rises and falls over five, six years longer than that, over fifteen years. Um, if yeah, if you start it uh, where where this kind of plan is hatched to kind of bring them together, it's a story of of almost a tragic story of trust and how friends can can trust each other but also let each other down. If you if you if you start it at the moment when they walk into the apartment, it's you know. Two friends who who uh, loved each other once meet each other again for the first time in years, <laughs> something like that. That's a, that's yeah. a reductionist reductionist stereotype. But um, but uh, it's it is uh, it is interesting how many of those are interesting and I think pretty valid choices based on the script that is given. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And it, it it what what complicates it is that so much is unknown and i think yeah. that is what's delightful about the play every time i read it i think something different about it not yeah. not, not my opinion of it but like i think something different about parts of the story like what actually happened in in certain spots and and, and it's it, you're right it's about friendship and it's about trust and I mean, it's, we should say it's about citizenship and the yeah. power of citizenship, because ultimately this second part, as we've said, one of the major like powers of this scene is the power of G and Henry to decide the fate of B themselves and that he has he lacks power in that moment. Um, and and it's. It, it it doesn't end the way you hoped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as as much as both out of love try to give him the power to choose, it is ultimate. It is it is it is heartbreaking in the end to see them take away that power. <laughs> um, for for yeah. you know, and and it's and it's and it's for difficult reasons. For for you know, the, it's it's hard to it's hard to say that anyone is unjust in their reasoning because it's just so complicated. But also that that power that at least they tried to give in, the, in initially, it's ultimately theirs to take away as well. And they they do at the end of the play, and that's super painful. Yeah, it is. It and he he's left alone in the apartment. I mean, it's just I I think that so much of the the way that the first half of the play is negotiated in the second half of the play is really brilliant. So, uh, as they go back through the story of their lives, now with Henry in the mix, it, it's so fascinating to be an audience member and you've been with them through these things. Like you've actually seen them happen on stage. She's come in the fire escape night after night after night. And you've been part of that. And then Henry's in the room. And now you have to watch them tell that story with someone else there. That is so, I mean, in terms of like interpersonal dynamic, in terms of a playwright's job being to set up complex situations between people, it's brilliantly complex. We are with them in having experienced this thing. And then we are with them in like, how do we 
talk about this thing that we've experienced. In fact, this thing that we've practiced talking about right. for pages and pages and pages. But the minute someone else comes in the room, especially someone who has all this wrapped up in their relationships, it's it totally changed. Like they start to talk about the fire escape and how she would come in with, through the fire escape, which was a big part of the first part of the play. And is like in the first part of the play is this beautiful like – protected they're protecting each other they're trusting it's like it's the stuff teenage romance is made of you know right <laughs> and, and again i don't know about it being romantic but it is i mean that some of what martina mayoka has done is like pulled on this this sort of trope or this image of the teenager sneaking in through the fire escape and and you've been with them in that and then they start to talk about it with henry there and it's just like totally different they end up kind of having to lie about it and it it, it 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 is brilliant to see how stories change depending on who's in the room. I think it's a an under uh, appreciated part of this play amidst all the great theatrical imagination. There is this great interpersonal reality, and 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 its ability to sort of by association call out the injustice of having to do this at all. Because yeah. we're, experi- we're experiencing the awkwardness of the two of them share- sharing this story about them being a couple in front of uh, Henry, who is a, in a relationship with B. So there is this uncomfortability that we're feeling as a result of the given circumstances of their relationship. But underneath it all is this, and they have to go to like a customs agent and <laughs> or or some a governmental agency and do this same thing. They're tr- they have to try to generate this 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 story for them as well and so we get this uncomfortability and by association are, are invited to also think about the in, the injustice of of this this uh, process that they're forced into you know, you know I'm not sure what, that I realized this about like how I think about the play until you said that but and and I, I don't I don't want to qu- say quite the wrong thing here but I do think that Martina Mayoke's imagination of this play G and B are, I think easily like great candidates for the, like they could get married. I mean, I I do think that like, like the, I I think part of the audience experience, as we said, is like some belief that like, yes, they're getting married for his citizenship, but like they might also like love each other and just get married. They've known each other forever. They have this incredibly interwoven life history. She used to come in through the window all throughout their teenage years and they'd sleep in the same bed and they'd wake up and have breakfast together. Like their story works so well as a cover story that we almost get convinced by the cover story. And to me, the hardest person in the world to tell that story in front of is Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're just, if you just have to walk into a, a like an agent uh, or a whatever and say like, yeah, she used to come over every night and you know, we were teenagers. What do you think happened? Right? Like, but, but in then trying to contextualize that complex relationship in front of this person who you're trying to convince, actually, that's not the case. This right. story that seems so true <laughs> and real seems so up. straightforward <laughs> Is actually not true. Yes, she did sneak through my window every night, and we slept in the same bed for a lot of our teenage years. But I swear, <laughs> I swear, uh, you know, like the, yeah. there's some brilliance in like it. It seems like it's set up for it to go so well because their story makes so much sense that then the most complex person you could throw in the mix is not somebody you have to convince the story is true. 
It's somebody that you have to convince that story is not true. Right. While, while asking genius. them to help you try to make it true for something. Yeah, it's, it is. It's so many levels. If you, think like, if you think like on the most meta level about that part of the play, you've crafted what amounts to a lie that seems so true that the hardest thing in the world <laughs> is to convince somebody it is a lie. I mean, that's right. just brilliant story structure. <laughs> it's unbelievably intelligent for that to be the context of the story. I mean, it's like you get to that part of the play and you're like, I think it is going to be very difficult to convince him <laughs> that you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, yeah, well, boy, you know what? I also thought they maybe were sleeping together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess not. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I just can't rave enough about all of the, like, so, it's such a smart story. And it, it's it's heartbreaking and emotional, and it, it's it's so much about power and about all, you know, this important voice. And, and it, it is also just, like, from the, from the mind of a master storyteller. And you just are in awe of how this story is laid out for you and the unexpected expected twists and turns. Yeah, there's so many so many uh, facets to it, so many pockets, so many uh, ways that the two characters are interacting and and it's just yeah, it just makes for a great time and great conversations about it. I, I we're, we're I'm, I'm one of the classes that I'm teaching this semester. We're, we're talking and thinking about story structure and playwriting structure, and we've been reading an old playwriting textbook called Backwards and Forwards by David Ball. That doesn't matter, other than to say one of the ways he suggests analyzing a play is to look at it backwards, because at any moment it feels like characters have an infinite number of choices. But when you get to the end of a play, you look back, and it's only through the exact you know each step requires the choice before it to happen and this play is such a good example of that because if for example g and b like were sexual romantic in their relationship then the second part of the play is not the same because then they just like would be a couple getting married and there would be no risk and there and so it's only through looking at this play backwards that you go the only way we got here is by this exact sequence of personal decisions of exact these specific characters you know if they were just both a straight couple in love through their whole teenage lives like problem solved the problem is created by these specific people making these specific choices and at the end of the play you look back and you're like this is the only way this could have gone. Yeah. Given this specific scenario, it's just so smart. Yeah, super like just just on an analytical level, it's 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 so fun to to dig into it on a on an emotional level. There's so much so much uh just deep heart story going on, so much pain, so much love. Um, I imagine a lot of that pain and love comes out more in the live show um, uh, than so it already comes through in the reading of it. But I imagine that the the sort of love and the the the, the care that these characters all have for each other comes out viscerally. So so we would love to keep chatting about it with you. We're coming down to the end of the time for the show. But if you have the chance to go see any of those plays out west and want someone to chat with about, we'd love to be those people. If you have been in this play, read this play, watched this play before, we'd love to keep talking about Sanctuary City with you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at Podcast. We also have a Gmail, noscriptpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites. We'd love to keep talking about this play with you. 
Absolutely. If you enjoyed this conversation, any of our other conversations, please recommend us to your family, your friends, anybody you know that likes theater, talking about stories, just listening to people like rave crazily about some play you've never read. That's us. <laughs> That's us. Send them our way. They'll have fun. We had fun. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, Godbean, all the places you find podcasts. We're there. Like us on Facebook and a link to the new episode appears every Monday when we publish. Hey, we're coming at you with another script next Monday, as Jacob just said, but until then, I'm Jackson and that's Jacob. Thanks for listening to No Script, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>